You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink- winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because they like to be contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like Eddie going to be the type to be like, MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics. The analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juiced for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And, and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Oh, right? here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball ball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Reagan Griffin. And I'm joined, as always, by Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. Gentlemen, as always, let's start with how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm living life. The Nuggets beat the the Clippers, so I'm the happiest person on earth right now. Happiest person on earth, really. More happy than yeah. Nikola Jokic right now? Oh, yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. What about yourself, Eddie? Uh, I'm doing well, staying indoors, avoiding this, like, toxic air outside the Bay Area right now. Mm. Speaking of toxic air... <laughs> Let's talk about this. Uh, actually, no, I was gonna go one direction, but I, I feel like it's more appropriate if we start with this Clippers and uh, Nuggets game today that we saw. Um, Nuggets ended up storming back late. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. There was a time where I shut the TV off, thinking that the game was over because the Clippers had started to run away with it in the third quarter. Um, but the Nuggets stormed their way back, and they ended up taking the game. What were y'all thoughts? I also shut the TV off, but uh, thank God once I. I was like, let me check the score of the game. Uh, and it was a close, close game. Nuggets were up like six, I think. And yeah, I mean, I was so happy to see it. I I was kind of sure, not sure, but at, at, in, in the back of my mind, I was like, the Clippers are going to come back and I'm going to be so frustrated right now. Mm. Uh, let, let me like not watch this so I don't jinx anything and, you know, let what's happening keep, you know, happening. But no, the the Nuggets obviously they didn't play a great game, uh, uh, for like the first half of the game, even more. I, I'd say more like three quarters of the game. Mm. But yeah, they 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 stormed back, uh, and you know that's a testament to obviously the we know the type of of skill they have. It, the question is always just their leadership. Uh, are they bought in uh, completely? And, and uh, but yeah, I mean they. It totally show, showed their scoring ability this game. It's the uh, the Michael Porter redeem redeem game. Uh, that, that's Michael Porter I mean, dude that had like shot. three shots today. I feel like they almost not to say that they iced him out intentionally, but <laughs> to put up three shots after saying that and still win, you got to feel like a, a little bit of a donkey I, right there. I I I did want to address that because okay, 
Michael Porter Jr., you might be right. And I'm I'm not gonna disagree with you on that point, but my point in you know my tweet when I said one of the mo- most immature dudes I've ever observed is not only the way he plays, but you know w- when you say those things, you you go meet with your coach, you go meet with your with your teammates. You don't just throw it out to the media and, and you know show the other team that there's you know cracks and, and cracks and lumps in the armor like. I mean, if I was Patrick Beverly, I'd be like, oh, they don't want to give you the ball, huh? Three shots, buddy, huh? They must not believe in you. You, you must, I mean, they, they must really think you suck, huh? And, and it's just, and, you know, not that he's affected by that or anything, but you just don't say that. Come out, come out to the media like that. That shows zero leadership. I guarantee you if the Nuggets were led by LeBron or whoever, I mean, stuff like that doesn't happen, so. I mean, it's just straight immaturity. It's funny because I feel like Michael Porter is heading down this path where he's going to become the mix of uh, like a KB and a J.R. Smith, where like the talent is like otherworldly, but he does some really boneheaded stuff sometimes. And it, and it was funny to me when he said that, and I know it's old news now, but just kind of like the irony of what he was saying, I feel like he didn't even pick up on it because he's saying that like, the Nuggets should swing the ball more, that they have to get everyone else involved. (laughs) But the funny part is, I think in the series, he has like 44 shot attempts to two assists. Like the ball dies when it hits his hands. Um, And I mean, if you think of him as a player, like he's the type of dude to chase, you know, the big plays, but, you know, he's always lost on defense. Like offensively, I don't know whether he's always making the right play all the time. Uh, It's almost like he's saying things that he's not even backing up himself. But... Um, at least for this game, and I know you said he only had seven points, three shots, but, you know, he showed up in, like, the last minutes of the fourth quarter, made a big three, had a big block and a, and a big rebound. And that's how these narratives work, right? Like, people pay attention to him because of what he said. He had a good two-minute stretch when it counted, and now people will think of him as, like, that dude forever. And um, whether he deserves know. it or not, I don't think so. But, you know, <laughs> at least at least people think. It seems like the consensus after this game is that he – quote-unquote showed up and proved himself hey man i i mean you guys know how i feel about michael porter in that he, he's one of the best and it's hard when you're 610 to not be a good scorer in high school but just coming out of high school the dude was just so polished as an all-around scorer can score at every level um i won't get into all of that because i've said this before but i agree with you julio and it's funny because you brought up on the last episode their lack of leadership their youth their immaturity and then turned around and that exact instance happened it was almost like yeah you're on something julio i don't know you're kind of hitting with your takes lately because they're they're coming to fruition before our very (laughs) eyes um but that was just ironic to me that that happened but you know on the clippers end of things man it i don't it didn't feel like they had that bad of a game i mean i'm looking at their bench their bench didn't play all that well um But it didn't feel like they had a like it didn't feel like the um they lost this game per se. It felt like the Nuggets kind of just showed up and won. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's what Eddie's been saying all year. When they turn it up, they're easily the best team in the NBA. Like, I think if they were, you know, and we'll we'll get to this later if this is the matchup indeed between the Lakers and the Clippers, but. If they played the Lakers at their best four games in a row, they would. I feel like they'd sweep the Lakers. That's how good they are in my eyes. Stop Sometimes they just, Stop that, they, bro. Their I, best four games in a row? The, LeBron don't so. get one? 
I don't think the king so. never. Okay, here I'm not a bronze stand, but the king's not getting swept by anyone now. I don't care. Like, there's just no way. There's just no anyway, way. That, that's that's beside the point, though. But you know, when when Eddie threw out the example that the Nuggets really got a fast break layup off of a free throw, that I don't know for you know for those who haven't played or you know didn't play, but that doesn't happen. If that happens, your coach is making you run. A lot. Maybe you know Doc Rivers isn't going to do that to you know you know NBA players, but I mean that that's that's unacceptable, and, and that's how lazy they get sometimes. But yeah, it's what Eddie's been saying all year. They just don't care sometimes, um, and that's what it kind of felt like today. Like, oh, we got a sixteen point lead. Let's let's play Lakers now. Uh, we're done. We're done. And they lost the game, but whatever. They'll get it done. They'll get it done. But, I mean, before I dig in on the Clippers more, I do want to say that what we can't uh, knock about the Nuggets is that we can't say they're not fighters. We can't say that they don't, you know, like come up big and, you know, really, really play hard when it matters, you know, when their season's on the line. And that's why, like, I don't want to fully dig into the idea that they're immature, they lack leadership or something. Um, They're a young team, but clearly, and we saw it against the Utah series, um, you know, when their backs are against the wall, they really do show up instead of... Well, well there's a difference the between way. being, like, a scrappy team, right, and being a team that, that plays well in the clutch versus being a well-led team, right? Um, I almost think about the Miami Heat as the difference, right? The Miami Heat are another team that's, that's scrappy, that plays very well when their back's against the wall, that comes up in the clutch, but there's a certain level of poise that they have that I just don't feel like the, the Nuggets have consistently, not just in-game, but off the court as well um, when it comes to their sure. leadership. So It's just that, I mean, there's another team right now that's also facing elimination that I'm very disappointed in that seemingly has zero poise whatsoever, um, especially when they need to have that sort of mentality to win games. And I'm talking about the Rockets, by the way. Yeah. Mm. And the Nuggets, for a team that's young and mostly inexperienced, um, you can't say that it's not impressive that they do show up uh, in these moments where, oh yeah, no doubt. Um, if they don't show up, they're going home. No doubt. I mean, it's all—it's always good to see a team that's um, that plays well when, when the when the lights are brightest. But uh, did you have something to say on the Clippers, or should I keep it pushing? Um, yeah, I do. I do want to mention for the Clippers when we talk about that they lock in, they can be the best team in the NBA. I still think that's the case, but I think it's showing mostly defensively. Because we saw in those two games uh, where they beat Denver before this game that when they really lock in, it's um, offensively for Denver, it's almost impossible to score on them. But on the offensive side, like, I'm actually starting to have some questions. To me, it's like guys like Kawhi and Paul George, and mostly Kawhi in this case, are such great players to raise your floor because you know that you can give it to Kawhi and he'll get you, like, a mid-range bucket. Um, like, he makes it, like, what, 70% of the time, right? But and that's and – it, and it is insane. And the thing is, you can never get, like, out of hand in games because you know that that's always a dependable source of offense. But um, – and I know we talked about this earlier. The difference between, like, a wing player who gets you ISO buckets versus, like, an initiator who can create offense. Um, the Clippers lack initiators. Um, and especially if Lou Williams is not doing anything, that offense is pretty limited. And you just have to hope that Kawhi and Paul George can sustain you with ISO buckets for 48 minutes. Otherwise, it's hard for them to stay afloat. And that, to me, I think we still have to draw this distinction when we talk a lot about guys like Luka and Harden 
um, how like that kind of play style might not be great for like the playoffs, um, and that guys like Kawhi are like built for the playoffs. That being said, I still think you need to have some sort of team offense, um, some sort of team concept that you know helps you go through the forty-eight minute game that doesn't rely on ISO buckets for you know the, the entirety of the game. And and I mean we saw this in the past with you know the Steph KD dichotomy as well. Um, so that, that's what I'm seeing with the Clippers right now, where if PG is not showing out as a player who has a little bit more moves in his bag, who can create a little bit more offense, um, then you're basically saying, Kawhi, please save us every game. And I think it can work because Kawhi's great, oh, yeah. but it's a it's it's you know it's a more precarious path um, to go down, especially when you're a team that's good at the Clippers. So would you would you say that's a bit of uh, cohesion issues? I don't think it's cohesion. It's just team construction. They're built. What What's the difference between? Oh my Eddie, you don't want to give me no credit, man. I've been saying this that the Clippers are going to have cohesion issues. What's the difference between team construction and team chemistry and cohesion? Because Kawhi is not a player that's built to initiate. He's not a. He's not a primary playmaker. Like he's not Steph. He's not Harden. He's not. So so the so the players around him don't fit with him. I mean, he's not a player who's built to fit. He, he's a player who's built to dominate. So that team and, lacks cohesion. I mean, that's like saying Michael Jordan has a lack of cohesion. No, because Michael teams. Jordan Michael fit Jordan within the triangle offense, though. I mean, we, we we saw the last dance. We saw how the triangle offense functioned, and we saw how Michael Jordan fit in the triangle offense. That's not a team oh, that okay, lacks cohesion. I mean, I'll, throw, I'll throw you the Kobe example. He's a player that dominates. He's not a player that... Triangle that offense, again. Operates. Again, the, the, they operated within a system. There's no system I mean, that young, you can construct around Kawhi. Talking about the, tri- the triangle offense was Kobe get a bucket. Julio, you know this. Come oh, on. Julio, Julio. So we 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 go. Julio, you're the basketball mind here, right? You 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 know it from a, a functionality standpoint. Was the triangle offense just Kobe get a bucket, or was it a, a system that that thrived on movement off the ball from everyone? It, it, it it's both. It, it's there you like, go. It, it's both. It, it would you know get it to someone on you know the top of the key slash the elbow, have some movement, have Kobe get off the ball. You know, an off screen, get him the ball again at like ten seconds, and then go get a bucket. I mean, there's I mean, a level of like, cohesion, like, right? I'll, people can I'll all work together to to culminate into one I, I, offense. I will, yeah, I will say that people knew their roles. Exactly. Not like, with I'll, the I'll Clippers. There's cohesion, cohesion issues. I'll tell you what cohesion issue is. Milwaukee Bucks in the bubble was just a big cohesion issue of a team. Like it's a bigger cohesion issue, yes, but it's they, that doesn't know. discount the fact that the Clippers have cohesion. I've been saying this from the jump, man. A they're going to have cohesion issues. And B, you can't flip the switch off and on. And I, I feel like I'm going to push back against the idea that when they're locked right in, me. they can stop anyone, right? Um, but when they're, they they find they find themselves in those, these moments where they're not locked in, well, hell, if you're locked in, but you're only locked in half the time, that's your that's your overall production. I can't just say, well, when you're locked in, you can clamp up anyone. But when you're not locked in, you're not clamping you know, at the same rate. If you're not locked in forty percent of the time, then that's who you are as a team. But but here's the thing: they're always locked in against the Lakers. Fair and enough. So that's true. Will it matter? So, yeah. Ultimately, it might not matter. But I will say, like that team is not that the team by its nature is never a hundred percent locked in, unless of course they might be playing the Lakers. But even then. That was one game that they're getting up for every once every couple of months. I'm interested in seeing what that looks like over the course of a four-game series where they're playing once every every two days. I mean, let, let me throw this to you. The reason why the Clippers 
are not performing to their maximum capabilities, in my opinion, is because they just don't care enough a lot of the time. It's not because the players don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't think anyone on the offense is trying to hijack, you know, the shots. Anyone on the defense is, like, sorely out of place. Like, they're all doing what they're supposed to do. Like, you know, Pat Bev and Montrez are yelling. You know, Kawhi is taking his mid-range shots. Paul George is doing his thing. Like, no one's out of place. No one doesn't know what they're doing. They just don't care enough. I don't know if that's cohesion issues or if it's what you're saying, B, that, you know, they can't just turn it on, on and off all the time. Well, when you say that Kawhi is a ball is is by nature he raises your floor, but he is somebody that limits the 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 ceiling of your offense. Is that not cohesion issues? No, because KD was the same way. KD is the the same type of player. But the 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 Warriors literally lacked a level of cohesion that they had prior to Kevin Durant. That's what that was. Kevin Durant came in and it kind of messed up the 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 chemistry of how that offense functioned. So he caused the Warriors cohesion issue. Yes, lit, yes, yes. There, there was the the offense was not as cohesive as it was prior to Kevin oh, Durant. Okay, I mean if that's how you define cohesion issues, like it won the Warriors two chips. So like, I mean, yes, yeah, his talent ultimately prevails. But I'm what I'm saying is cohesion, right? I'm looking at the Clippers, and that's not a team that's built to function as a as a singular unit. That's a bunch of individually oh, okay. talented yeah. I mean, players. That's fair. They're built as a team that slaps a bunch of good players together and says. You know, and, and doesn't mostly does not get in the way of each other, um, and says here's a lot of talent. You know, let's see what a lot of talent does. I don't think that's cohesion issues. Like the team is constructed that way. You can't ask them to be any different. I mean, I'm just saying if that if that's how the team's constructed, then you're constructed to not have um, great cohesion. But let's go ahead and keep it pushing. I want to talk about this Toronto Celtics game. Hell of a game, man. Hell of a series. Um, between that and the Jazz Nuggets series, I'm not sure which one I had more fun watching, but it's those two have been the best series to me. What were you guys' final thoughts on the, the semifinal in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, all this talk about um, Pascal Siakam being elite, Kendrick uh, Kendrick Perkins and Jay Williams throwing that out there, that has to stop. That that has to, he's not even on Giannis's level, and, and I okay, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I, I think you know I believe Giannis to be elite. But, you know, Pascal Siakam isn't even at Giannis's point, and he lacks all the skills that Giannis lacks. So, I, yeah, I'm just tired of hearing, you know, Pascal's elite, you know, he's one of the, you know, of course he's up and coming, but he's not going to be, you know, a top five player ever in his career. That, I mean, that's just my belief. Because um, he, he lacks all the skills, again, that, you know, Giannis does. And, I mean, again, I, I'm just going to reiterate this. I mean, the... Th- this is obviously when they needed Kawhi. Like, he mm-hmm. struggled so much in this series. Jalen Brown completely, you know, he just, he he completely locked him up. His offense is so predictable. Just like Giannis, he loves to drive and then uh, j- just spin. And then even worse than Giannis, at least Giannis is a great defender, obviously. He just won Defensive Player of the Year. Pascal Siakam, on the other hand, see, I used to believe he was a great defender. And now I think... It's not that he's a poor defender. He just doesn't know how to play basketball sometimes. Like, he jumps at everything. He commits stupid fouls. He gets in foul trouble so easily. And I don't know. I don't know. He's just he, – he might be a good defender, quote-unquote, because he's so long and he can move well. But his feet, like – I don't know. He, like, chops his feet too much sometimes. He, he has happy feet. Again, he jumps at everything and he fouls everybody. That, and he always complains. So, 
Yeah, I, I think the biggest the biggest thing that popped out in my eyes was Pascal Siakam stopped with him being elite. Um, and I'm glad the reporter went after him post-game. Hey, Pascal, how does it feel to be responsible for this outcome? I'm glad she did that. I'm glad she did that because he is a major reason why you know they lost. That still feels kind of green, though. I mean, it was also misconstrued because it was a follow-up question. So when Pascal said... Um, he feels res- like Pascal said that he feels responsible for like the losing this series. Mm-hmm. Just to clear the air, because it feels like people were starting to say wild stuff on Twitter about the reporter when you know people didn't have the full picture. But Context. That, that's Twitter for you. But I know I think this series was definitely the best playoff series by far, if only because this is what watching seven games of high level basketball is really like. Um, when you look at the competitive advantages, like the coaches and like what the coaches threw out there, like all super, like the coaches just did not risk or did not like scare away from like throwing anything, right? Like Nick Nurse was throwing like 20 different defensive schemes out there throughout the series. Boxing and like, like the boxing one just ate up Kemba and I, we can get into that later. But um, like personnel, like both coaches weren't scared to go down the bench and, you know, you saw guys like Grant Williams come up big in the series, guys like Norman Powell, um, you know. And so, like, that was a lot of coaching. Oh, um, don't get me started on Norman Powell. Julio, I see your face. They, we, we'll they, get into they, it. They don't use him enough. Norman Powell? Yes. Bro. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll hear you out, but just seeing him catch the ball with Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, um, who else was behind him? Fred Van Vliet, literally he was the worst player on the court of the five Raptors. And he just goes full steam ahead to try to take a contested layup over two people? Come on, man. That was uh-huh. bad. That was bad. Just, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just talking about in general. I, I feel like he can – he's obviously not like a pure scorer, but I feel like he can score the ball a little bit. And he's a good shooter and a, and a uh, really good defender. I, I just – I don't know. I just think they don't use him enough. I mean, anyways, to, to finish my point, like, along with the high-level coaching, just um, not only, like, the players understanding the defensive schemes they were in, like, they were almost 100% locked into whatever they were doing, but also just so many high-level defenders on each side. Like, I can't say enough good things about Marcus Smart, who two years ago, I wasn't exactly sure what Marcus Smart was good at. You know, it seemed like he had a lot of reputation for being, like, kind of a person with, like, a confusing skill set, but, like, now... For sure, like to me, he's like um, undoubtedly the guard version of Draymond Green. Like that, like that's how good he is. Hmm. Um, and then just execution on both sides was just amazing. And I think ultimately, um, the, the the broadcast pointed out a lot. The games kind of went along. Who made more shots and who didn't? You know, make or miss league stuff. And then ultimately, like talent. I think Boston had a little bit more talent. Um, Jason Tatum is probably the um, best player this series. Um, Kyle Lowry a close second, but again, like the best player leads the team to win the series. But yeah, I mean, th- this series was amazing. And um, I think I definitely liked watching like this series so much more than the Western Conference ones, even though there's more talent on the West. But you can just tell like the effort and the intensity level is just so much higher um, in the East. I, I, I did want to say this about Kemba. Uh, as much as I love Kyrie and you guys know Kyrie's like, you know, my favorite or second favorite player in the NBA. Uh, Even though Kemba struggled today, I'm still like 
very, very impressed by, you know, what he provides for that team. Something that, you know, Kyrie obviously, at least I don't think, would be able to provide. Taking a step back Mm. and allowing him to perform, you know, he can still perform exceptionally well without getting, you know, in the way of Jason Tatum Mm -hmm. and Jalen Brown. You know, those two, you know, they, they did really well in the series. And it never seemed like, you know, I'm getting in your way, my turn, your turn. Uh, so that that's what I can really, really say about Kemba. Even today, and like, that, I mean, okay. he wasn't trying to force too much of anything. So, like, I, I think Kemba, even today, I, I was very impressed by and I, I think that, that level of um, humbleness is a testament to the different situations that we saw both Kyrie and Kemba enter the Celtics from, right? When Kyrie got to the Celtics, it was him leaving LeBron, trying to make a name for himself as a number one player, right? I don't want to be LeBron's, you know, Robin. I don't want to be a Robin. I want to go be a Batman somewhere. And he goes, and he obviously was the best player on that team, but he's, like you said, not the type of dude to take a step back and allow somebody else to take the reins, um, even when that might be necessary. Meanwhile, you had Kemba, who was struggling in Charlotte for so long, the only thing on that dude's mind is winning, Right. He doesn't care what the optics are. He doesn't care what the narratives are. Kemba just wants to go have an opportunity to go win a chip, which he's obviously going to have now. So I, I think that's a that's definitely an astute point, man. And it just speaks to like you know, people have different mentalities and different goals, man. And Kemba, man, that that's a dude that just wants to win basketball games because he he didn't do a whole lot of that in Charlotte, that's for sure, man. Eddie, Eddie, uh, any more thoughts? Like who who was the uh, MVP of uh, the series, you guys? In your guys' opinion, Kemba or Jason Tatum? I mean, you might give it to Jason Tatum because Kemba didn't have the best game seven, but I mean, bro was playing lights out. Okay, this this guy isn't my MVP, but the more I watched him, I'm like, this dude is pretty freaking good, better than I gave him ever credit for. Daniel Tice. And I remember, Eddie, you told me, you was like, Daniel Tice is a top 10 center in the NBA. I still think you're capping on that. Ain't no top 10 center. But like, there are so many times where because so much attention has to be focused on a guy like Kemba, a guy like Jason uh, Tatum, a guy like Jalen Brown, that dump off or that lob is just so easy for Daniel Tice. And he just knows when to be in that position. And, you know, for that that very minimal role that he plays, he does it so well. And he's just a high-effort player. I got to appreciate him for that. So um, maybe not the MVP, but, you know, my favorite player. I'll call it that. He, he had a very strong role. He's a high-level defender as well. Um you can see but i mean i already talked about marcus smart um if you go by certain metrics he was like the most impactful player in this series but you don't even have to look at the numbers i feel like if you watch the games you just saw how um just how disruptive he was on both sides of the court Mm -hmm. um i do want to say it was interesting to me right that the uh the raptors were able to get this far without Kawhi leonard I, i think that that's I think there's something to be said for that, even though, it, you know, it was the Eastern semi- semis. The fact that you're able to take a team as talented as Boston to seven games and you lost your best player last year um, and you had some unfortunate situations, whether it's Kyle Lowry fouling out of a game. Like, I don't know. I, I think they, they deserve a level of credit for that. They're another team who, you know, the reports are that they're going after Giannis, but they're another team that, you know, if you guys don't make a change in the offseason and if you guys are just content with this team, you guys think you can compete. With this team, I mean, you're just fooling yourself, though. That, that's really, because really? I mean, Boston was maybe the best team they're playing in the. Playoffs. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep in mind Brooklyn's coming though. That's true. I mean, 
Well, Toronto has to make changes because Ibaka's a free agent, Gasol's a free agent, Fred Bleed's mm. a free agent. I don't think Gasol's um, coming so back. I, I think Gasol Gasol looked washed. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know whether it's just the bubble or what, but yeah, they, they have some decisions to make on that team. Um, I also want to say look out for OG Anunoby. I think his game has steps to take up. That that dude, oh, like, yeah, for sure. Um, especially for offensively, sure. right? We know how good he is defensively, but he showed some flashes offensively that made me, you know, scratch my head a little bit and say, you know what, the, the dude might have some. But I want to talk about what we're gonna see in this Eastern Conference Finals, man. Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Eddie, or excuse me, Julio. Are you still on the Heat train, I'm, man? Uh, it's because I I've picked Boston twice now to beat Miami. Because I, I predicted this matchup. Oh, wait, no. I picked Toronto next time or when Gordon Hayward got hurt. But, oh, my God. It's because the Miami Heat are my second favorite team. They're, they're you know, I, I love them. But it's just really hard for me to pick them over the Boston Celtics. It's so tough. It's so tough. I, I'm going to stick with Boston as a safe bet. But don't count out the Heat, bro. They're coming. and They're going to play hard as hell. Oh, you yeah. Know? They're going to push around the the young guys in Jason Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown. So they're, they're not going to come soft. They're not going to come soft. Who do you guys think will be the best player? Or who do you guys think is the best player in that series? Hmm. Hmm. Jimmy Butler. Hmm. Is it Butler or Tatum, right? Jimmy yeah. Butler. Yeah, it's, it's definitely t- between it's Butler and Tatum. Me, but I'm, I'm going to have to go with Jimmy Butler. I probably have to agree with you. Um, that being said, I still have Boston in six. I think that the offensive players, uh, or offensively for Boston, they'll have a much easier time with Miami than Toronto, because, and I mean, I've been saying this about Miami all along, that there's always going to be one guy on the floor that you can exploit defensively um, for Miami, whether they have Hero on the floor or Duncan Robinson on the floor or Dragic on the floor. Um, and they don't throw as many things at you as Toronto did. So Kemba is probably not going to be looking at a box and one the next series. And that'll probably be really helpful for him because he'll probably um, open up on, be open on like those screens that he loves. You know, like he, he loves to run that pick and roll and, and Toronto smothered it. I think he'll have a really big series. Um, yeah. And yeah. like the wing matchup, like I think Tatum Butler, like that's pretty neutral. But then you kind of look at the other talent, especially if Gordon Hayward comes back, and you start to wonder whether Miami can hang with Boston talent-wise. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's, that's where it starts that, to get hard. That's the major difference between, uh, uh, you know, Boston and, uh, you know, Milwaukee, because, you know, as much as I, I love Miami, again, to Eddie's point, it's the, it's the, it's the star power, you know? Boston, even with the loss of Gordon Hayward, you still got Jalen Brown, you still got Kemba, you still got Jason Tatum. So it's not like you can just wall everything off on one player and then, you know, you can actually depend on other guys not scoring. That That's not Boston. Boston has some scores. So it's it's a much different story, much different story. I saw, a, um, I saw like a, a, a forum or whatever you would call it, but it had Bob Myers today. It kind of floated around Twitter, and I really – mess with what he said Julio I actually tagged you in a in a post um because it sounded like it was coming straight from your mouth because he said something along the lines of and I'm paraphrasing here um in the playoffs you find out exactly who the best players in the NBA are because it is a completely different game 
And because the dudes, you'll never get the, the, the first thing that you're good at. If you're really good at driving right, that's cut off from you. So the dudes who really thrive in the playoffs are the guys who have levels to, and layers to their game. Um, and I look at the, the Celtics, man, and they just have so many dudes with levels and layers to their game. And I, it, to me, it comes down to wing defenders. I, I think the Heat are a team that are constructed to where if, if, if I have to stop one dude, or two dudes maybe, right? Even if it's a guy as talented as Giannis is, I can shut that down. But when I'm looking at three, four dudes that I have to lock out, there's just too many There's just too many levels that that Celtics team can operate at. When you talk about, I mean, you guys brought up all the names. I won't go over it again. But they just have so many ta- talented players that on an individual basis, they can operate on multiple levels. So it's just, it's I don't see it, man. I don't see that yeah. like, they, they don't have the... um. They don't have the the defensive talent, right? And, you know, talk about a guy like Jay Crowder. You'd have a guy like Bam Adebayo, um, Jimmy Butler, obviously, Andre Iguodala, whatever gas he has left in the tank. But I just don't think they have the defensive firepower to match what the Celtics can bring, man. They just, in my eyes, it's not even close, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Uh, and, I, again, I want to pick Miami. I I hope Miami wins this series. But what, what people don't understand, you know, when, you know, they, they – haven't played basketball at a you know high level is that just being in the film room just being Mm. in the film room and you know what coaches tell you it's like you have to study players like like basically like it's like it's a final for for or a midterm for a class it's it's that it's really you know you're paying attention that much and the bench is always telling you he loves to go left when he loves to go left when he goes left he spins like they they take they literally take everything away from you in the biggest moments on the biggest stage and so you you have to have moves to go to your back and I love that quote you find out who the best players are and you know I'm I'm not gonna say Giannis isn't you know a top five player or anything but to it's it's more difficult for me to put him in the top five than it is for other people just because I see you know my, my number one thing is always skill skill skill. And, you know, that's why I love guys like Kyrie, Luca, and KD so much. But, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. Layers, man. It's all about those layers. Um, this is why I've been saying it, it'd be disappointing if Boston doesn't end up with two championships in the next seven years, considering how young and how talented and how well-constructed they are as the team to win championships. Mm. Um, when you talk about the talent and the layers and, and just how skilled so many of those guys are. Gotcha. All right, man. So should we make our picks? Now? Or I think you guys already made picks, right? Julio, you said Celtics. Or you said Heat. You said Celtics, but you were like really struggling not to say Heat. Uh, I, I really want to pick Miami. Do it then. Do it. Do They're it. Not you gonna, won't. I'm, no. It, uh, it's the Celtics. It's the Celtics. All right. Eddie, you said Celtics as well? I said, I said Boston 6. Yeah. Mm. So I am alone on the Heat train is what I'm hearing. As You're picking mu- Miami? As much in Eddie, I'm going to go back to the question that you asked. The most talented player you asked who is the best player on the court this series? The most mm-hmm. gifted basketball player to me is Jason Tatum. Yeah. The player that I'm most confident in, Jimmy Butler 100%. A, leading his team. B, he's already a veteran. And for people who, you know, don't want to accept this, like sometimes late in a game, the star player gets the call. No matter what happened on the play, if it's like a 50-50 call, 
the older, the elder statesman, the, the, the veteran is going to get the call. So that's why you always see Jimmy Butler late, you know, in a game at the line and getting so many calls. Or I don't know if you guys saw the, what was supposed to be a jump ball, in my opinion, with Gary Harris and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, oh, yeah. Did you guys yeah, see that yeah. play? Yeah. It was a yeah. foul somehow. It shouldn't have been a foul. But if, if Kawhi Leonard was playing defense and Gary Harris had the ball, it would have been called a jump ball. So that, that's how star dynamics work late in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I can see that playing out because Jimmy Butler is going to get the calls. And my point is, is that Jason Tatum's still young. So he might not get the calls and the referees might be, you know, referees do that. Referees do that. Showing them lessons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. A while back, I um, and you guys remember the episode where we made our finals pick, right? And I, I thought the hell out of that. I was, I was overthinking a little bit and my gut told me right my gut told me that the heat had a shot and my gut also told me that the celtics had a pretty good shot and i didn't trust my gut i went with what i thought in my head and that was milwaukee this time i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna make the same mistake i'm gonna go with the core i'm gonna say miami heat man don't ask me why it's a feeling it's a feeling if if they get to the finals i'm I'm gonna be you know other than the Lakers getting to the finals, but I'm gonna be so happy for that team. No one believed in that team. Oh, no I, I'm gonna bring up that. tweets, bro. I got I got the receipts. I I didn't say it before you did. You were the first person I ever heard tell me that yeah. Miami Heat had a legit shot in the East. But I said it sometime in the middle of, of quarantine when we first got home that the Miami Heat. The I know the exact phrase of the quote. I said the Miami Heat have a better shot at the title than you think. That was the tweet. And I'm waiting on them to win this series so I can ring back that tweet and pat myself on the back a little bit. But I think yeah, that'll do it. I said, I said, I said Miami would be a solid uh, playoff team um, before the season even started. But mm. I don't know if that would, would would amount to anything. They're legit. But, They're so legit. All right. But, um, we, uh, we we should talk about the Lakers Rockets just in passing. Then. Yeah, we should. We should. Oh yes. Um, Daniel House. Anyone? Do we want to talk about it? Let's, such, let's get into su- it. I- I'm sorry, but I mean he, that that's one of the most. I'm not even gonna hold it. He's he's an idiot. Uh, if all that is true, and apparently they found evidence that it is, the fact that you know th- this is his you know first real run with a team where he's getting real minutes. A- am I wrong? Am I wrong? Yeah, I know. I I had never heard of Daniel House before this season, and you know I know he wasn't really you know starting, but th- you know he made a name for himself on the Rockets. Bro was playing well. All season long, you know, he was in the starting lineup. Again, he was playing well, shooting the ball well, defending all right. And now, in the most important games of your life, and no, I'm not, you know, over-exaggerating on that. In the most important games of your life, not saying that, you know, you have to be studying basketball 24-7 during your off time, whatever, but you're over here not thinking about the game. You're over here... Inviting women into your room. But you're about to go home. The Lakers are about to send you home. Wait a week. Stay focused. That lack of maturity is so, like, that's so childish. Like, fo- the lack of focus is just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. That's all I got to say. What I didn't understand, because he has a wife and kids, right, Eddie? 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it, it remains to be seen, like, what exactly happened, right? And I don't want to put speculation on it. We can get into the semantics. Oh, he invited her in to do this, that, and the other. We don't know exactly what the nature of their relationship was and whether, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But what didn't register with me is, like, why aren't his wife and kids in the bubble? Like, they could be here now, right? Like, I, I guess I, I that's something that, that's the first thing that occurred to me is, like, they could be there if they wanted to, right? Um, But evidently they're not. Um, But from a Lakers standpoint, doesn't hurt. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there. That, that that doesn't hurt a whole lot. You know, it's kind of glad to not have Daniel House, you know, throwing his energy at LeBron all game because uh they have struggled since his exit. And yeah. a lot of people attach their struggle to his exit. I think it's oh, a little no. bit deeper than that. It's a little bit deeper no, than no, that. No, no. It, it's, it's, I, I'm just going to reiterate what I said on the last pod. It's strictly, you know, to, to it, it's, it's how the Lakers are playing defense. They're obviously doubling Harden almost on every single damn play. But, I mean, if it works, why would you stop? And for those saying, oh, the Lakers are, you know, they're chumps for doing that because they don't want to take, you know, they don't want to let Harden take one-on-one like a man. So? If it wins you basketball games, are you not going to keep doing it? And Do keep people doing- say that? It's two for 11. For are people saying that? Huh? Are people really saying that? Yes, yes. LeBron's not a king. What? Bro, at that point, you're just hating, bro. Because it's like, bro, get your one-on-one like a man, bro. Come, go, like, come on, bro. Makes zero sense. Exactly. So, again, what the Lakers are doing, they're they're doubling him, you know, at the catch. And they're scram- scrambling so well, which is a testament to, you know, Frank Vogel's adjustment taking JaVale McGee out of the lineup. Um, and then when they get the ball back to Harden, which is with, with like, 12, 10, 8 seconds left, maybe. They double him again. He's forced to pass it, and his teammate, you know, has to throw up a shot, a bad shot. So I love how the Lakers are playing defense right now. But to me, it's like, if you're doubling Harden, Westbrook, that's your time to eat, man. Somebody help me out there. Why is that not clicking? It's because he's not good. He's not good anymore. Oh, Lord. Eddie, really? He's not good? He's not good? I mean... This series, am I am I wrong? This series, yeah, and that's why it's not registering with me why he's not playing. The, 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 the Rockets need the Rockets need Westbrook to be a certain type of player, and I swear I said the exact same words on the last pod. And for whatever reason, it's just not registering for uh, Westbrook in his head. Like you can watch the tape of like what happens when people double team step and Draymond has to run a four on three. You don't just run straight into the defender at the rim. Like, that's the dumbest thing to do. You have the numbers advantage, right? Like, just make the smart decision. He has the athleticism to draw defenses in. Like, he, he has the ability to, like, you know, find the open man. Like, he's not a bad passer. Like, he can handle the ball. It's really, to me, I think it's all a mentality thing. Like, I feel like he just doesn't get it. Like, you are leading basically a four-on-three. You can find someone open. And for whatever reason, he thinks um, the solution is to take like a mid-range shot or, you know, drive straight into Anthony Davis at the rim. It's just, it, it's frustrating because he should be better than that. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is with Westbrook. It's never been a athleticism or like, a, is he good at that basketball thing? It all comes down to, can he process the game the right way? And I don't know whether his, um, you know, I don't know whether his, his basketball IQ is made for it like that i don't even think it's a basketball iq thing i think it's what you alluded to earlier which is a mentality thing russell westbrook comes across to me as the type of dude um that that 
overcome struggle with aggressiveness. And what I mean by that is like, okay, if I'm having a bad game, what do I do? Let me attack, attack, attack. And I'm going to keep attacking and I'm going to keep trying to get my way and force my way until it starts working for me. That's the type of player that Westbrook is because that, you know, that's what, that's what his vibe is, right? Like, you know, chip on the shoulder, attack, go at your throat. That's the type of player that Westbrook is. So when he's struggling, I don't think it registers for him. At least that's not what I'm seeing on the court. It doesn't register. Let me approach this with some patience, right? His 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 approach is let me keep on attacking until something clicks, um, which is just not. Like, he, which he's is a not. he's a max NBA player. Like you think you should be able to process the game better. Like if your response to, um, if your response to struggle is to double down on like the dumb things you're doing, I just like why like why are you a max player? You I mean, it's the, I mean? it's the same. Well, well I, I don't know if we can get into that argument because yeah, I mean, because that, that I mean, again. Um, sorry to cut you off, Julio, but like that's what got him to this point. That that's why Westbrook is the dude that that won the MVP, that went to the uh, finals with Kevin Durant, that that was a, a lottery pick. Westbrook is who he is because he's an attacking player. Um, it's just in this situation, right? It's not working at all because that's not what the Rockets, like you said, Eddie, that's not what they need him to be. They need him to be a patient player like a Draymond Green. Um, so it, it's unfortunate because you're kind of seeing. His the the real flaws in his game are being magnified a hundred times right now because you know patience is just not one of his strong suits clearly. Absolutely, I mean he got, he has to play with a controlled rage, a controlled aggression, which is what I feel like coaches always emphasize. Like you got to play with a tenacity, but you can't play with like such aggressiveness that it becomes brainless. Like then then it's just like counterintuitive at that point. Yeah, yeah. It- if he was playing like he, uh, like he was playing before the bubble, I mean, I I don't want to say it, it'd be you know game over because I don't I don't think it would be game over for the Lakers, but it'd be a tight tight series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's obviously not playing like that. So I think for for one, like it feels like he forgot how to dribble, but like also I think he's a kind of guy that you can game plan against because again, he can't shoot the ball and he clearly has some limitations in decision making where the Lakers just leave him open and say, I dare you to take three. And he took the most threes of all the Rockets players last game, which should never be happening. It should be the other way around. And I, th- and I think the Lakers actually, you know, pat themselves on the back when uh, he's actually doing well in the first quarter. Cause then it's like, okay, keep doing well. It's not gonna last. It's not gonna lie. His confidence is gonna skyrocket and not gonna last. Just like just like with the first two shots Giannis hit in the in the in the uh Miami series, it's not gonna last. Not at all. Mm. Not at all. Not gonna last. All right, y'all. We're running a little bit long here, so I think I'm gonna have to cut it short. Um Well let me let, let me throw in one terrible whoa. joke before we whoa, leave about whoa, Daniel House. Whoa. Whoa. This is the first time load management has ever been correctly been used for a DNP designation. Wow. All right, let's end it on that. Wait, wait, what? Run that back. This is the first time load management has been correctly used as a designation for a DNP. Daniel House? Yeah. Greg, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Just end it. No, I get it, but, like, that's so un-Eddie-like of you. I don't know. Like, that's, like, the, the... I don't even want to ask you to explain the joke. Because it's like that might be not PG for the show. What? What? 
Uh, I'm gonna have to ask you after the show, man. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Eddie might have just said something that's completely out of the pocket. I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to verify with him. But thank you guys all so much for tuning in. Make sure you go check out the social media at Square One Media. That's at SQR One Media on Instagram at SQR1 Media on Instagram and Twitter for a hoop and holler specific experience. Thank you guys, like I said, so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.